Welcome, thank you for joining us again today. Wherever you're watching from, we're so glad that you're taking this time to spend it with us today. I wanna share the next couple of weeks on the subject of storm management or how to manage storms in your life. Because the reality is we're in a time right now where it seems very stormy, doesn't it? Whether you look at the things that can affect us all, like the economy and uh, fuel prices, energy charges, uh, pandemics, world wars, famines. There's so much going on in life at the moment. But we could certainly say, yeah, it looks like some stormy days ahead. But then we also consider some of the individual storms that we may be facing that aren't common experiences, yet they're real to our everyday life. Maybe things that you're going through uh, that could be relational storms or financial storms or health storms. I want to take two weeks to look at what the Bible says to us concerning how we should behave or how we should navigate our life and our families through stormy times. You know, for some people, it's not one storm alone, is it? For people that are watching today, maybe you say one storm would be a luxury if I had a storm in this area in my life. But to be honest, Andy, I've got a number of storms. You know, sometimes that's termed a perfect storm. Not that it's one storm that's perfect, but that phrase came from fishermen in Massachusetts when they said a perfect storm was when there wasn't one storm affecting your life, but there were two or three at different areas coming in and meeting in a common place. And you happen to find yourself in the middle of a number of storms. Maybe you're watching today and you say, yep, that's me. It's not one storm that I'm in or I'm going into, but it's a number of storms. I need to know how God would have me to navigate these times. Now, the reality is, but storms are a part of life, aren't they? Naturally speaking, we look at the seasons of life and we know and we understand that there's going to be storms in the bigger picture of life. Now, for us in the United Kingdom, when it comes to natural storms, we are actually quite blessed. We don't get a lot of storms. But there's other countries that I visit and I minister in, and they regularly get storms. I'm talking about certain areas of Florida, America, Alabama. They almost expect storms to come along and be a part of their year. I'm so glad that in England, we're often taken by surprise when a storm comes. But for other parts of the world, they actually have to manage or plan for the coming of storms. Now, some storms can be expected, but other times, you know, storms can take you by surprise. Like in America, sometimes they expect in a season of the year, storms are gonna come in, but other times it hits the headlines, we didn't see that one coming. That's what life can be like, can't it? But sometimes there's storms that we anticipated because we're watching the news, we're watching the economy, we're listening to economists and leaders. But other times there's storms and we're like, whoa, that wasn't coming when I went to bed last night. But suddenly I find myself in the midst of this moment. Now, the good news is, that the Bible, God's word, gives us clear advice and good advice on how we should handle our lives when we find ourselves in a stormy season, 
in a moment of storm or we see a storm potentially coming in our world, whether that touch the relationship of who we are, the uh, health of who we are, whatever area of our life it may affect, the Bible gives us good wisdom. But I'm also so thankful that there are visual accounts in God's word of disciples that handled storms with Jesus in the moment that they were living. And in these moments that we read about in the gospel, we can actually learn from what they were living out in a moment of storm that they were experiencing. Today, I want to look at one of these, and it's the account in the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. And this is the moment that Jesus calms a storm. So let's just read through these verses to paint the picture and to lay a platform for some um, good key thoughts that we can share, principles of managing storms in your life. Now it says, starting to read in verse 35, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall or a big storm came up out of nowhere and the waves began to break over the boat so that it was nearly swamped and began to nearly sink. Jesus was in the stern. So Jesus was in the boat sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, do you not care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. It went from a storm to being calm. He looked then to his disciples and he said, why were you so afraid of this storm? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? So this is a great account that we read of in the Gospel of Mark of a real moment that happened involving Jesus and the disciples and a storm that they suddenly found themselves in. A couple of key points that we can take from this account is Jesus and the disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee. Now, this is interesting because the Sea of Galilee is a sea that's not a sea. Actually, the Sea of Galilee, it's an inland freshwater lake, and uh, it's pretty big. It's a body of water, and its circumference is about 33 miles, but it's 13 miles long, and it's eight miles wide. So it's a big body of water, but it's not a sea. It's not an ocean as we would view an ocean. When we think of the ocean, we think of the water that would surround the country. This sea, the Sea of Galilee, was an internal freshwater lake in the middle of Israel. Now, out of nowhere, a storm blows up. That's so what it can be like in life, isn't it? That you go to bed, everything's good, everything seems calm, and then boom, out of nowhere, a storm appears. I'm so glad that Jesus teaches us that that's quite normal in life, but then he teaches us what to do in those moments. We see the disciples go into fear mode. They begin to freak out. Now, bear in mind, Jesus is in the boat. In another account that we're going to look at next week, Jesus wasn't in the boat. But in this account, he was actually in the boat 
And it says he was asleep on a cushion. Just picture that. There's a crazy storm. The disciples are freaking out. The boat is rocking. They're, they're scared that the water's going to come into the boat and they're going to sink. And then they look over and they see Jesus fast asleep on a cushion. Now, again, I don't want to put myself in position because I wasn't there. But I do like to think that somewhere in my panic, I would stop for a moment and say, well, if Jesus isn't panicking, if if the son of God isn't panicking, maybe I'm safe from that which is going on around me. But in their panic, in their anxiety, they say, come on, you've got to wake Jesus up. I don't know which disciple it was, but one of them went over and woke Jesus up and said, do you not care, Jesus, that we're about to drown? Again, I like to think as one of his followers in the 21st century, I would just sit there and reason, wait a moment. If this boat goes down, he's not going to go down. So let me just get as close as I can to Jesus and then I'll know I'll be safe. But in moments of panic, we can do unusual things. We can see things in unusual ways. And that's what I believe the disciples did. They must have shoved Peter or John forward and said, you go wake him up. And we can see when Jesus wakes up, he's not happy, is he? It's not like he jumps up and says, morning, boys, beautiful day. He sounds quite grumpy. He gets up and he looks around and they're saying, we're going down. The ship is going to sink. The storms come out of nowhere. When we started, it was a beautiful day. But since you've been asleep, Jesus, the storm, it's crazy. We could drown any moment. Jesus looks at them. But then he looks over the boat and he speaks to the storm and he says to the winds and the wave, stop it. Be quiet. And instantly it says that the wind and the waves died down and great calm replaced what was formerly a crazy, seemingly out of control storm. But then we see him turn to the disciples and correct them in their faith, rebuke them, um, challenge them, where he says, come on, boys, you've been walking with me long enough to know that you can trust me. You can trust me when the sun is out and it's a calm day and you can trust me when it's a little bit stormy. Where was your faith? Now, this is a great account, um, but I want to pick on where do storms come from? Because sometimes we need to, if we're going to manage storms correctly, identify the origin of the storm. Because just as in the natural world, storms can come from different places and storms can be different experiences in themselves. That's what it can be like in life. You can suddenly have a storm coming because of this, or you could have another storm coming because of this. I want to look at three specific storms that can come from three specific places and look at how the Bible would have us to manage each of those storms. Number one, there's storms that I call the storms of life. These are general ones, ones that everyone is facing. And I'm going to teach you how to manage those towards the end. But these storms, they're just the storms of being alive in a real life. Other people are also affected by these storms. So we'll call those the storms of life. But then the second category of storms, I call storms of stupidity. These are storms that have been caused because of wrong choices 
or wrong decisions that we've made over the course of our life or a moment that we've been in, where actually we originated these storms in our life. We can't blame the devil. We can't blame life. It was because we mismanaged or we didn't um, make correct or right decisions. But then there's a third category of storm, and this is the one that I want to focus on in our time together today. And that's what I call storms. These are called storms of attack. These are when storms come from your enemy, the devil, and they come, they have an assignment to stop you, to hold you back, to cause you delay in the things that God wants you to do. This is the type of storm that I believe that Jesus faced and dealt with in this moment that we read about. You say, how do you know it was that type of storm, Andy? Simple. You only have to read on and start to read in Mark chapter 5 to see that actually there was a point to this storm. It was sent to stop Jesus arriving somewhere where he was going to bring freedom to the life of a man who was severely bound, demonically controlled. Now, people didn't care about this man. Jesus did. He'd seen him when others were ignoring this man, and he'd set this trip. He'd said to his disciples, hey, we just had a good time of ministry with crowds of people. Now let's get in the boat to this random um, quiet area across the water because I see a man living in captivity, and my agenda is to bring freedom to him. Let's just read about this account, because it makes sense of the violence or the ferocity of the storm that came against him in resistance. So it says in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 8, after they'd calmed the storm, they went to the other side of the lake to a different region. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure or a crazy spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. No one could bind him anymore. He was out of control. Not even chains would hold him. For he had been chained hand and foot, but torn the chains apart and broke the irons off of his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue or help this man. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out in agony and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you crazy, impure spirit. Now, when you read on in the rest of the storyline, you know that the demons within the man begged to go into the pigs, and then the pigs went over the edge of the cliff. Now, this is an interesting account, but what I want you to see is that Jesus had this man in mind when others were ignoring him. The whole time that Jesus was teaching the multitudes and bringing truth and freedom to the multitudes, he also in his heart and in his spirit had seen this man so tormented. And this man was much as much a, a son of God or a child of God as those standing in the crowd. So he had a plan to bring freedom to this man that was experiencing captivity. Now, the moment he got in the boat and aimed the boat towards the region where this man was, that's the moment the devil suddenly clicked on. Wait a moment, where's he heading the boat? He's going across to that region over there. 
I know what he's going to do. He's going to set that man free that I've spent ages bringing into captivity and torment. And so at that moment, I believe the enemy sent a storm to stop Jesus and the disciples arriving with freedom to a man that desperately needed it. So Jesus was on a freedom mission and this storm was sent to stop him, resist him or block him. Now, when you're living with the freedom of others in your heart, you will experience storms that originate from an enemy as well. Some of the greatest storms that I experience in my life come and they come alongside moments where God gives me a plan or a thought. Let me help that person. Let me step into that person's world. Let me be assisting that person to experience freedom in Christ. The moment I make the decision to help a person or persons, it's amazing. Out of nowhere, a storm can blow up. But God doesn't want that storm to cause me to put an anchor down or cause me to go into reverse mode. Rather, he wants me to understand that I'm to address the storm and cause that storm to calm so that I can continue on the freedom mission that he's given me. Now, in this type of storm, you take a stand of faith and authority. Other storms, you may handle them differently. We'll look at that a little bit later on and into next week. But with this storm, when it's obviously attack from an enemy, it's obviously the enemy attacking you or trying to stop you doing something that's a purpose of God for your life. You've got to stop, you've got to stand up, and you've got to take authority. You see, in this storm, Jesus didn't need to be woken up. This is one of the key things that we can pull from this story. The disciples went and woke him up and then he said to them, why did you wake me up? Was that because, was, was that because Jesus was irritated about being woken up? No, I think it was bigger than that. It was because he was annoyed that the disciples didn't understand the authority that they had over the storm through faith in who he was. What Jesus was saying was, you didn't need to wake me up. You could have dealt with this one yourself. I think sometimes today when we get into a moment where we're not sure what to do, maybe fearful, we go, Jesus, Jesus, wake up. And in the same way, God is saying to us, no, you don't need to wake me up. You need to stand up in the authority that I've given you. Now, I love what it says in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 19. <clears throat> Jesus says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all, not some, all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Those words were speaking to the disciples of the moment he was in when he walked with them 2000 years ago. But these words are still spoken to us today by Jesus as we set our heart to be his followers, that he's given us authority not just over snakes and scorpions, but over all the works or the schemes and the power of the enemy. That means that we need to, in moments of storms, stand up and take authority over the storm, speak with authority to the storm, rather than spend hours in prayer trying to awaken Jesus. James encourages us in chapter 4, verse 7, 
submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. Don't you love that final part? Not might, must. Submit to God. Live a life that's in submission to God. Live a life that resists the devil and the things that the devil are trying to do against you and against others. And as you submit to God, resist the devil, he must flee from you. Now, we also need to understand that sometimes the attack that comes from the enemy is not an external attack. It's an internal attack. Remember, the Sea of Galilee that was a sea that wasn't a sea wasn't a surrounding ocean to a country. It was an inland lake, which meant this storm blew up inside the land, not outside the land. That's what these storms can be like when it's an enemy attack. You suddenly feel troubled. You suddenly feel nervous. You suddenly feel fearful. You suddenly feel confused. The night before you were fine, but suddenly you wake up and inside of you or on the inside lake of who you are, not the outside coming in, but from the inside coming out, there's a confusion and anxiety or a fear that wasn't there before. I've learned that often this is the attack of the enemy trying to disturb the waters within you. And this is where you need to take authority. This is where you need to stand up and say, no, devil, I resist you from a life that's submitted to God. You must calm. This storm must cease. It's time for this to suddenly change. Okay. the final thing I want to look at is... The three different ways of responding to the storms that we may face. Maybe today you're facing what we've termed a storm of life. It's a general storm. You know, things involving economy, things involving different situations that everyone who's alive is experiencing. These ones, we handle them by weathering the storm with wisdom and faith. Now, if you find yourself in a storm and it's a life storm, this is where you walk by faith in the promises of God. You walk by the wisdom of God and through faith and wisdom, you weather the storm and come out strong the other side. Maybe the storm that you're facing is that storm that we spoke of called a storm of stupidity, that there's a storm happening in your life because of wrong decisions or wrong choices. How do you deal with a storm like this? Easy. Stop being stupid. Stop making stupid decisions. Stop. You may have made stupid decisions, but stop making stupid decisions. Get some wise counsel in your life. Get some advice. Speak to someone. Change the decisions and the choices that you're making, and you will change the storms that you're experiencing. But then this third type of storm, the storm of attack, the one that comes from the enemy because you're doing something that's bringing freedom or hope to others. This is where you need to not spend time waking Jesus in prayer. God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. But stop. Consider what Jesus taught them and what Jesus has also taught us. This is for you to know who you are in Christ the authority that God has given you over all the plans of the enemy against you, against your family, against those that you're ministering to or have a heart to help. 
I want to encourage you today, if you're experiencing a storm, and again, you're stirred on the inside, you're troubled on the inside waters of who you are, not just external attack from things happening outside of you. I want you to realize who you are in Christ. You are a child of God. You are a part of the family of God. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And he has given you authority to speak to the storm. I want to encourage you today, speak to your storms, not with your words, but the words that he's given you in his word to cease that storm or to cause that storm to cease. It's time for believers to understand the authority that we have in this life over the things that are sent against us. Can I encourage you today to turn your prayer from prayers that are trying to wake Jesus up to help you to prayers that are accepting he's given you authority and you're speaking that authority. And as you do, the storms that are coming against you that originated in the heart of the enemy against you, those storms are ceasing. The water is becoming calm. The wind is, is ceasing to blow with such violent vigor. We have authority to speak to the storms that may come against us. Let us stand in that authority. As we speak, it's as though Jesus is speaking through us. Just as the waves and the wind, they, they bowed to the voice of Christ. When we speak, knowing we have the authority of Christ, the wind and the waves will obey our words also. That's how God designed for us to manage the storms sent to stop us. Why don't you enjoy coming back next week and we're going to continue to dig in to this subject and we're going to look next week at the storm that faced Peter and the moment when Peter got out of the boat to walk with Jesus in the storm. God bless.